0: Hey everybody. My name is Anna.
1: And I'm Sam.
0: And this is Growing Up Skywalker. Happy Tuesday. You are joining us this week as we talk about the feature-length Clone Wars movie, Mm -hmm. which came out in 2008.
1: Yep. And this one is in-universe. It's after the Battle of Christophsis, which is cat and mouse and hidden enemy, which we've uh, talked about in the last episode of our podcast. But... In our world, it came out first and introduced the Clone Wars TV series.
0: Right. So chronologically, we're picking up right after Cat and Mouse and Hidden Enemy, which were the two episodes of the Clone Wars TV show, which we recapped last week. But if you were watching Star Wars in 2008, this would have been your very first experience with the Clone Wars animation style.
1: Yeah, this, well, so this was released theatrically. So you would have gone and, you know, you the same opening weekend as uh, Pineapple Express and <laughs> Dark Knight Rises, I believe.
0: Yeah, the second one, right?
1: Yeah, you would have gone to the movie theaters and, and seen this. I did not see it. Because I was going to
0: ask you what if you had seen this in theaters.
1: I did not. Um, and I didn't watch it for the same reason that it was pretty critically panned. Really? Mm-hmm. It has like a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. I
0: actually did hear that this was the most critically hated feature-length Star Wars movie.
1: Yes. And really, that's like a... Um, it's a critical reception in the sense of all the reviewers are like, oh, it's watching a Saturday morning cartoon, mm. which it kind of is. And it's a cash in for a new TV series, which it definitely is. It did OK in theaters, but it was a flop as far as Star Wars movies go. Ouch. But it introduced us to... The Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, it introduced us to some pretty fantastic new original characters, which I'm super excited about. So uh, let's run down what happened in this movie. Yeah. Okay, so we open immediately after the battle on Christophsis, Mm -hmm. which is where we left Obi-Wan and Anakin at the end of Hidden Enemy. And what's happening in this movie is a lot of political maneuvering and, like, econometrics is what it felt (laughs) like. So Count Dooku is visibly in charge of the Separatist army, which is a collection of folks who are trying to break away from the Republic, Mm -hmm. right? We established that. In the last two episodes. And the Republic, in the opening of this movie, it's established that they've been separated from most of their clone army, which they gain in episode two.
1: Right. Because recall that the clone army is from Kamino, which is out near the Rishi maze, which is way out past the Outer Rim. Right. Coruscant's near the center of the galaxy. Kamino's way on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. This is halfway in between.
0: Yes. So things are not looking good for the Jedi or the Republic. There are a bunch of planets joining the Separatists. The movie actually says the innocents are becoming victims in a lawless galaxy.
1: She's air quoting right now.
0: I am. I love a good air quote. You know me. (laughs)
1: It's not great in a podcast format, but we'll stick with it. You
0: know I can't extemporize. (laughs) So... What happens next is it's revealed that Jabba the Hutt's son has been kidnapped. Mhm. I'm going to skip over the horrifying fact that Jabba has a son.
1: Yeah, I I was I guess my headcanon was that as a slug creature he reproduced asexually or whatever, which is more
0: disgusting. I mean, no mom is ever mentioned.
1: That is a uh, spoiler. Alert, not true. <sighs> so we do. Uh, oh, was... Yeah, we do. We do actually see female huts later.
0: Oh, this is so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate this already. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine wants the Jedi to rescue Jabba's son, who's mm-hmm. been kidnapped. Because if the Jedi gain Jabba's favor, then they can get access to the shipping lanes in Jabba's sphere of influence. And then transport the clone army all over the galaxy.
1: Yeah, the Hutt cartels have controlled about a third of the galaxy. Wow. Yeah, the whole Outer Rim is pretty much under their control. And we actually see this in episode one, when they fly to Tatooine, and everyone's speaking Huttese. And you say, Mm. oh, you can't take the queen there, that's Hutt space. And Anakin's speaking Huttese to Watto.
0: Yeah, he is, fluently.
1: Yeah, so that's... uh, You know, that's hut space, and you need it to control these shipping
0: lanes. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. Okay, it turns out that all of this maneuvering is a plot by the dark side, by Count Dooku Mm -hmm. and Darth Sidious. Yes. To pit Jabba against the Jedi and get him to sign his loyalty over to the Separatists. Yes. Okay. That was established in about 45 seconds in the movie. (laughs) And you better believe that I wrote down so many notes to try to figure out what was going on. And I feel like I really got a grasp on it. Then we actually start with the action Mm -hmm. of the movie. So we open with Anakin and Obi-Wan on Christophsis. um, And they feel like they won the battle. They feel like things are moving apace. And then, bam, in quick succession... Obi-Wan is slated to get a new Padawan, Mm -hmm. but surprise, the Padawan is assigned to Anakin instead.
1: So importantly, they aren't doing that well because the Separatist general, whose name is Warm Loathsome, General Loathsome. (laughs) That's incredible. He is great. He is a warthog-faced blue dude who speaks with a thick Scottish accent.
0: Seriously, the brogue.
1: (laughs) It's beautiful. Um... (laughs) So he is bringing up his attack, his army. Yeah, there's like
0: another wave of the battle happening.
1: Mm -hmm. And he is blocked by the heavy cannons, which you'll recall at the end of Hidden Enemy is the only thing that Slick didn't destroy. Mm. So that's the only thing keeping them in control of the planet of Christophsis.
0: Yes. So there's a a quick establishment of Ahsoka Mm -hmm. as a character.
1: Uh, Ahsoka was sent in... Because Anakin and Obi-Wan are like, hey, we need help. Send for a courier, send for a messenger, send for reinforcements. Mm -hmm. They get one ship with one little girl on it.
0: One youngling. And Mm -hmm. it turns out she's very young, very fighty, and very spicy, and very exciting.
1: And it's Ahsoka Tano, who is a critical character for... Uh, the rest of Clone Wars, significant parts of Rebels. She plays a role in Mando. She's a big deal.
0: She is a huge deal.
1: Mm -hmm. I've got heart eyes already. This is where we meet her, and this is Mm -hmm. great.
0: Big reveal. Mm -hmm. So Anakin is deeply unhappy that Ahsoka has been assigned to him to be his Padawan, but he drags her along with him anyway. His role in this next wave of the battle is to try to dismantle the energy field that the Separatists have kind of encased their army within. Mm-hmm.
1: And so they come up with a plan, but it's actually Ahsoka's plan.
0: Mm. Yeah. To hide under a bucket, basically?
1: Well, to sneak in. Because yeah. Anakin's like, oh, we'll just charge them and do whatever. And they're like, that's a stupid idea. And Ahsoka's like, what if we sneak in, just like two people? And Anakin's like, okay, that's a good idea, but how are we going to do that? And then Anakin uses his like absolute monster of a military brain and says, okay, we'll sit under this bucket and we'll wait for the shield to pass over us and let all the droids walk around us as we pretend to be like a Jersey barrier in the middle of the highway.
0: What I love is that Ahsoka's like, this is a dumb plan. Mm -hmm. This is a stupid plan, but it works. It works. Through a lot of reckless kind of maneuvering and some really dicey moves, they end up taking out the energy shield.
1: Yeah, and we see Ahsoka being way too reckless. Mm. She like runs ahead and sets off all these underground droids, and then she recovers by pulling a Buster Keaton and pulling a wall down on top of all the droids that surrounded Anakin. It was so great. It was
0: like a cookie cutter, basically. Mm -hmm.
1: So we see that she's a competent swordswoman, um, but she's more. She's so reckless that she makes Anakin look like the voice of reason. She actually does. So they take out the shield generator, and that moves the plot forward.
0: Yes. We also see an amazing Obi-Wan scene of him stalling, like drinking his cup of tea.
1: By the way, that's a war crime. Uh, what do you mean? So it's it's called perfidy, <laughs> and it is uh, because Aunt, uh, Obi-Wan said, I wish to surrender,
2: oh. and it's a
1: false surrender.
2: Oh, yeah. So he sits
1: down for tea with Warm Loathsome, um, and then he's talking about, like, oh, well, you'll have to feed all of our men and you'll have to do this. I know you're not used to carrying around, like, actual bodies instead of just droids, so it's going to be a huge issue. And that is, in fact, against the Geneva Convention and has been, like, against the rules of war for ever.
0: And the so, general calls him out on it, and Obi Wan is like, yeah, I was yes. really, like, hoping my reinforcements would be here by now.
1: Which is, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the war crime known as perfidy.
0: It was delightful to watch, and that kind of sucked all the fun out of it for me, so thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so Yoda shows up mm-hmm. after they win. Yeah. Yeah, they win. There was all
1: the
2: situation. They
0: resolve all the situation. Yoda shows up and assigns Anakin and Ahsoka to finally go and rescue Jabba's son. Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty dicey assignment because it turns out that Jabba hired a bunch of bounty hunters to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And only their heads were returned to his palace, separated from the rest of their bodies. Just
1: part of the long string of Star Wars bounty hunters having a hard time keeping their heads on their shoulders. I mean,
0: Jesus. Starts
1: with Django, keeps going through here. (laughs) It's not... You know, you think that those helmets do better. What they really need is like big neck guards.
0: They really need some neck gaiters. <laughs> <laughs> so Anakin and Ahsoka track Jabba's son to the planet of Tath, Mm -hmm. which is rendered in this beautiful pink color.
1: And it's got these outstanding, uh, like, karst towers. Yeah. There's just these extremely steep rock spires. Yeah, and like the
0: misty alpine feel and these kind of scrubby dark trees.
1: Yeah, down at the bottom. And there's cool monasteries on top as well. It
0: is such a cool setting. Very cool. Anakin and Ahsoka are then ambushed by a bunch of Separatist battle droids and Asajj Ventress when they try to storm the monastery.
1: Well, so first is one of the most Star Wars moments ever, which I think is really outstanding and really sells this movie. And that's the vertical assault
2: on this. Oh, yeah.
1: So they shoot up a bunch of tow cables. Anakin kind of does like the weird... Because keep in mind, in the universe, Anakin's what, 19, 20 years old?
0: I don't know, something like that. Yeah,
1: and he's got Ahsoka, and she's 14, 15 maybe. years old, maybe. And he's like, try to keep up as he starts like sprinting up this straight, sheer cliff,
0: like a 90 degree angle.
1: Yeah. And then Ahsoka is following along, and so are there like, six-legged walkers, and all of the clones shoot up their, like, cables, and they're, like, climbing up this wall. And Ahsoka's doing
0: a pretty bang-up job.
1: But then she decides to play smart and not hard and climbs up on top of one of the walkers and like lets it carry her up.
0: And then almost falls off.
1: Almost falls off. And
0: then you think that Anakin is coming to rescue his Padawan, but no, he's like, keep up, and then zooms off.
1: Yeah, Anakin's a jerk. Yeah. He's he's very defensive about his like military prowess. And I think that speaks to the nature of the Jedi, and that you have a Padawan, you're you're given a Padawan when you've reached a level where you can teach them something and you're also given a Padawan to protect
0: you. Yeah we're gonna have to talk about the Anakin and Ahsoka dynamic for sure. Yeah. But to wrap up the plot, uh, as Anakin and Ahsoka and their clone troopers are trying to scale this 90 degree angle cliff Mm -hmm. to get up to the monastery, meanwhile Obi-Wan has been sent to Tatooine To maybe try to calm down Jabba and forge some kind of treaty. Mm -hmm. And then there's a big battle scene on Teth, Ahsoka and Anakin find baby Jabba, try to escape with him. And then we close this half of the movie with them trying to basically get onto this like bucket of rebel ship to try to get off planet.
1: There's a little bit more pressure on the situation Uh, Because they get inside the monastery and they say, oh, we can hole up here indefinitely. It's a very defensible monastery. But baby Jabba is very sick.
0: Very sick. Mm -hmm.
1: And so they're going to have to make good their escape and get him to medical facilities or something.
0: So that's where we're closing this half of the movie for this episode. This is part one.
1: Yeah, because this is a full length movie and that covers kind of, you know, the end of the Christophsis arc and then the beginning of this, well, pretty much the whole teft part of the arc.
0: Yeah, I think as a rookie Star Wars viewer, I think this would have been very difficult for me to keep up with if I'd Mm -hmm. seen it in theaters, especially because cast back to 2008, if I had seen this in theaters, this would have been my first Star Wars movie ever. Not that I would have necessarily gone to go see this in the first place. It's not really in my wheelhouse to go and see a feature-length animated star wars movie Mm -hmm. but if i had there was a lot of really complicated political maneuvering and it happens so quickly and it's established as if you have all already have familiarity with star wars and i think that would have been quite difficult to keep up with for me
2: for sure yeah
1: and like compared to the form factor of the episodes, most of the episodes of the Clone Wars are pretty much just an A-plot, maybe an A-plot and a B-plot. Mm-hmm. This has a strong A-plot and B-plot and C-plot throughout the whole thing, which makes it considerably tougher to hang on to. Yes. It does have some great sword play and some very cool jedi moments and like republic army moments that i'm really excited for
0: yeah tell me what stood out to you in this movie
1: well meeting ahsoka is Mm -hmm. such a huge part that you don't notice at the time ahsoka is a character who really really grows on you as you watch the clone wars
0: that's true I had a really strong emotional reaction to her reveal because I didn't actually know that was happening in Mm -hmm. this movie. I didn't know when she was going to pop up in the Clone Wars, and I didn't really know that it was right here. Mm -hmm. So I had a strong positive reaction, but that's because I have some familiarity with Ahsoka.
1: Yeah, so this is the first time she's introduced uh, as I said on Teth, Tef, when they are climbing up that hillside, very cool moment because it shows the types of things that are not just basic military. It's not just our battles on our planet today, except with hover tanks. It's their tanks can climb sheer walls, mm-hmm. which is super cool and played on quite a bit more in the series. The other thing in the first half that's really noticeable is... This is the first application of Obi-Wan in his Suresu fighting form.
0: Oh, okay. Tell me Mm -hmm. more about that.
1: So if you ever see him and he takes his right arm, his sword arm, and he puts it up behind his head. Oh,
0: he did that to Asajj. She's
1: doing it. He, she, he makes a peace sign with his left two fingers, yeah. and his sword is up over his head. That is the Soryasu fighting style, and it is extremely defensive. Okay. The point of it is that he can fight in that formation all day. Nothing can get through. And then once his enemy makes a mistake, he just takes him out.
0: Wow. So, so
1: he sits there, and he defends, defends, defends. Until you make a mistake and then you're done.
0: What's the significance of the peace fingers? Because I noticed that with Asaj and I thought he was going to like flip his palm over and do like a come hither kind of
1: thing. No, 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 no. <laughs> Although he does give her the come hither eyes he again. Really does. I, it is never really explored what their relationship is, but there is something there. Oh my
0: God, the sexual tension. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, that is a very cool form. Uh, one of the fan theories I've read is that he picked up that form because Qui Gon Jin died. On his watch. And so, of course, you'd take the most protective style that lets you protect others. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, that is one way of moving through trauma, right? Is to swear to yourself that next time you have learned your lesson.
1: But the other thing is, long is the war. And Obi-Wan sitting here learning to be an extremely defensive fighter means that he's going to be able to do this all day.
0: It also means that... He and Anakin are getting further and further apart from each other in their fighting styles.
1: This is true. Uh, It harkens back to Cat and Mouse when uh, Sparks is told when you're with Mm -hmm. General Skywalker, you're always on the offensive. With Kenobi, it's more subtle.
0: That being said, there is a scene right in the beginning of the Christophsis battle when oh, you see the camera, quote unquote camera, kind of flash up and then Obi-Wan swooping down mm-hmm. to slice a battle droid in half. Mm-hmm. It's so cool.
1: He is extremely aggressive in Christophsis compared to really a lot of the rest of Clone Wars, honestly. I noticed... Um, Having watched this later than I watched a lot of the rest of Clone Wars, that there's a significant change in Obi-Wan's attitude. And he is somewhat darker and somewhat harsher and more aggressive. And I'm not sure if that's meant to be an arc or if it's them just finding what his character is supposed to be. But he is somewhat dark in this movie.
0: Hmm. He's very serious. He's extremely serious. Mm
1: -hmm. And Ahsoka is obviously meant to be the comic relief. But... She is also a little bit of an audience stand-in.
0: Yeah, and
1: I think that fits really well.
0: So I'm not familiar with Dave Filoni, mm-hmm. but Dave Filoni produced the Clone Wars movie.
1: I believe so. Um, he it so this is all his his thing. He doesn't direct every episode, but basically the entire Clone Wars TV, all the all the Star Wars TV series have his fingerprints all over them, either as showrunner or executive producer or director or producer or something.
0: Right. So I try to stay away from a lot of Star Wars commentary to kind of keep myself fresh. Mm -hmm. But I did stumble upon this post that said, basically, Ahsoka is Dave Filoni's beloved OC and we should just let him do whatever he wants and put her in everything and just say thank you. And I agree with that.
1: She's a great character. She speaks to... One of the things that you and I have talked about a fair bit, which is the lack of female representation. So there's a female Jedi. Very cool. And also, she is non-human, which does a few things. One of them is it lets her explore the backhanded lightsaber style, which is Mm -hmm. called Shien. And that is not um, don't don't try that at home, kids. You'll just break your wrist. There's a reason that people hold swords the way they do. It's not because no one's come up with a new cool way of dealing with swords. It's that you do not have, like, it's it's not effective. But she's an alien. Her wrists might be backwards.
0: What species is Ahsoka?
1: Ahsoka is a Togruta. Togruta. Mm-hmm. And okay. we see a handful of other ones in the Clone Wars series. And then there's a Jedi master named Shakti who... Is in a deleted scene in episode three, but she also appears in the Clone Wars TV series. In fact, I think we'll see her pretty soon.
0: Since we're talking about Ahsoka, Mm -hmm. can I talk about Ahsoka? (laughs) All day. She's
1: (laughs) She's a great character.
0: She's a great character. Let me talk about the most foundational thing about Ahsoka that brings me so much joy. It's her voice. Yeah. Her voice as a character is kind of like my voice. It's kind of higher pitched. Mm -hmm. And she sounds like a youngling and she comes across as a youngling. Everyone in this movie is calling her youngling or young one or little one. Mm -hmm. That basically catapulted me out of the stratosphere with joy because I've been a young professional. Like I worked in finance. I've had phone jobs. And the amount of pandering and diminutive terms that I got doing Mm. those kinds of jobs with this voice was actually really upsetting. And so to see Ahsoka show up in this movie with her voice, showing up the way that she is, do badass things with the lightsaber, keep up with Anakin, have good plans, do the most, it was so validating and it felt so good. And this is the first character that has made me feel like I see myself in Star Wars.
1: Interesting. I think that's a really important part of the Star Wars experience. For me, that was Luke Skywalker because I was of a different era of Star Wars yeah. when I was little. But what? yeah, I totally see that. Another thing that I think cements part of this early relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka is that he calls her Snips for being oh snippy. my God. Which is not a diminutive term.
0: It's not actually, it's what my dad used to use as a descriptor when I would be upset when I was younger. I can so see that. when Anakin called her snips for the first time, I actually, it, there were tears rolling down Aww. my cheeks. I'm starting a cryometer for the Clone Wars, and this one is definitely, it got from the green into the little yellow. <laughs> there were some tears. Uh,
1: another character who gets a lot of really good screen time and character development in this episode is Rex.
0: Okay, tell me more. Tell me more. Who's Rex?
1: So Rex is the captain of the five hundred first,
0: which is Anakin's battalion,
1: uh, legion. Oh, they're, they're legion in the Empire. I yeah. actually looked this up. Yeah, I mean it's it's space, it's Star Wars. It's even even in our world, you know, it's like ah oh, yes, I'm a lieutenant colonel of a platoon or something like that. It's, it doesn't really make sense. So. Uh, The 501st is all the guys in blue. And Rex is the one who's in blue. He's got very cool painted armor. He has been the captain of the 501st forever. And he is Anakin's number one guy, go to clone, and he makes it happen. And in the battle on Teth, he really, really makes it happen. You can identify him because he's got two pistols as opposed to like a, a regular gun. And he's got a cool, like, half skirt and like a. Paul pauldron on one shoulder
0: did we see him in cat and mouse and hidden enemy
1: in hidden enemy he's uh him and cody are the two and cody's uh in yellow. One, m- yep. in yellow they're the two who are like resolving the spy plot line. but rex is such a cool character and he has some really amazing moments in this of like when they're leaving him behind or when he's like told to hold the line he's like that's my job you know i'll do that he's not necessarily part of the team or like he's not a jedi and he knows that his job is basically jedi delivery vehicle but he gets it done in a very cool way and when ventress shows up and like kills all the rest of the clones he's the one who pops up at the last second and starts shooting her and she has to like, hold him hostage. That's amazing. So. And when they're sitting there and they're, like, surrounded and they're getting shot at and there's the crawly spider droids everywhere, he charges up and jumps on top of him and shoots him in the head. That's his jam. He is an extraordinarily brave and principled clone warrior. And he's he's going to have a extremely powerful starring role in a lot of episodes of Clone Wars. He's great. Once again, played by Tamura Morrison and voiced by D. Bradley Baker.
0: Oh, okay. So this brings me to something that I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Okay, so Tamura Morrison voices mm-hmm. all of the clones.
1: No. Oh. He faces all of the clones.
0: Oh. He
1: is the face and body of, well, he's the face of all the clones in the movies. He's also the, he plays, um, His he redubbed the voice for Boba Fett in the special editions of the original trilogy that were released after the prequels, and he played uh, Boba Fett in Mandalorian.
0: So this is something that I discovered. Tamir Morrison is from New Zealand. He's Mm -hmm. Maori. Yeah. Which means that all of the clones are people of color. Which is cool. Which is very cool.
1: You were asking me earlier today why there's no women clones, since, you know, like, (laughs) there's... This is—it's not just white dudes, but it is interesting that it's uh, someone who I think they got him because he has a very cool accent and he's got, yeah, you know, a cool look about him, and he's a very physical actor as Django and as yeah as Django in Episode Two. He's a very physical actor. He's got a, an imposingness about him, which is
0: very cool. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't pick up on in our earlier experiences with the clones is that we have a lot of white-centric male protagonists Mm -hmm. of the Jedi. Obi-Wan and Anakin and Palpatine. He's not a protagonist, but he's a main character. He's
1: not a Jedi either.
0: He's not a Jedi either. He's Jedi-adjacent. He's a Force user.
2: (laughs) Okay.
0: And we have this army of clones who, by human standards, by current day earth standards would be minoritized peoples Mm -hmm. and they are the genetically engineered warrior servants of the jedi
1: yeah
0: yeah yikes yeah
1: what what's it there's a few interesting things there. There's a, the Maori as a people had a famously significant series of wars in the 17 and 1800s called the Rifle Wars. There's a strong element of warrior culture. And this might be a little bit of a calling upon that hmm. in a way of saying, like, a, you know, an homage to having a, a strong warrior culture with also that individualism. Mm. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up.
1: Yeah, it's very cool.
0: So one thing that I got out of this chronological rewatch Mm -hmm. was a direct visual continuation from the Clone Wars TV series. But I recognize that if you'd been seeing this in theaters in 2008, this would have been an entirely new Star Wars aesthetic for you.
1: Very much so. And it was... I mean, this is... The line, right? We've talked about this in our previous Clone Wars episode of it's a pretty, you know, workaday fan who watches all the movies. It takes a lot more to watch the animated series. In fact, even now, I think there's probably more people who've watched all the movies and watched Mandalorian
2: Mm -hmm. than have
1: watched... Clone Wars, or Rebels, or Resistance, because it's animated, and like talking with my family, even my mom and dad, they're like, oh, isn't that a kids show?
0: My parents said the same thing. Mm-hmm. The answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. Oh my god. Okay, there's there's death in this.
1: Well, the very start of this movie, you have the Lucasfilm logo come up that's got that very like ornate shape, the mm-hmm. Lucas, and there's gunfire. And there's people dying on the radio. Mm-hmm. It's a very war movie feel.
0: Even the line, the innocents are becoming victims of a lawless galaxy. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: And the death count among the clones is really high. It's
0: high.
2: On
1: Christophsis and on Teth, because that's like the point of Teth. They're, they're climbing up that cliff, and there's entire tanks full of dudes getting ripped off by droids. Yeah. The dreads are pretty funny though.
0: Interestingly, I think the clone death is less impactful because of the visual style, because you've got these like vivid, amazing colors and this really beautiful illustrative style and this like gorgeous string scoring in the background. Mm -hmm. And it's Star Wars, there's not blood. And I'm assuming this was like a PG rating. So there's no blood, there's no dismembering. Mm -hmm. So the, the Death is kind of glossed over.
1: What's really funny, watching this on um, Disney Plus now, there's it's like rated Y thirteen or something because of tobacco use in the second half.
0: Oh my God, when Zero is like blowing smoke in Padme's face,
1: <laughs> like oh so God. that's that's what takes this movie over the ultra violence. It's not the deaths of like dozens of named characters. It's not the like violence and danger it's uh the tobacco use america america there's some more aesthetic stuff i want to talk about when we first meet jabba in the animated flesh oh
0: my god his animation is really good
1: yes because his puppet in return of the jedi is absolutely disgusting so seeing him uh, it's i think that the whole animated series does better with aliens.
0: Yes. You want to know something delightful is when we meet Java's son, mm-hmm. Ahsoka mentions many times how disgusting he smells. And I never picked up in the original trilogy that Java probably really smells bad. Yeah which makes the scene with Leia in the slave bikini so much more <laughs> horrific. And I so appreciate it that someone mentioned that Jabba and his son smell awful.
1: Yeah, it's a cute little hut, but yeah, very very dis- I think it's cute. It's like all stuffed animal. You think so? It's cuter than a regular hut.
0: You think so? <laughs>
1: On Christophsis, there's a really sweet moment right after they're getting on their way to go to Teth. And that, so before Ahsoka and Anakin head off underneath the box and head through the thing, uh, through the energy shield, she says, she figures out the ranking of where she is in the Grand Army Republic. Oh my God,
0: yeah. Okay, so Mm -hmm. she's talking to Rex, right?
1: Yes. So Rex is a captain and Anakin is a general, which means that. For whatever unit is going on, basically a Jedi always commands the battlefield, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense, kind of doesn't. But Ahsoka is a commander, which means that uh, I'm not actually sure if she outranks Rex. I think she does.
0: I think she does. She actually says Mm -hmm. it. She says, technically, I outrank you, right?
1: So Rex says in my book, experience outranks everything.
0: But Mm. then once they've
1: finished it, Rex and Ahsoka have a really strong bonding moment.
0: Can we talk about the theme of mentor and mentee, teacher and trainee Mm -hmm. in this movie? It is one of the strongest themes that I picked up on.
1: Yeah, particularly in the flip side of it, which is the Asajj and Dooku relationship.
0: Oh, okay. So let's talk about some of the relationships that we get in this movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, first, we have, of course, Obi-Wan and Anakin, mm-hmm. the OG.
1: And, at the, be- and at the beginning of this movie, Yoda and Base are saying, We're surprised that Obi-Wan hasn't resolved this situation by now, normally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Done. Um, So Obi-Wan slated to get a new Padawan and Anakin's basically like, oh, why would you do that? Obi-Wan says teaching is a privilege. Mm -hmm. It's part of a Jedi's responsibility to train the next generation. And you, Anakin, would make a great teacher. Mm -hmm. Do you think he means that?
1: I think he does because as you teach, you look inward and you see the parts of you that you don't necessarily want to teach, want to pass on. And the more you look deeply at the parts of yourself – Just over and over again, the more you learn who you want to be.
0: Which I think is beautiful. It turns out when Ahsoka is assigned to Anakin and Anakin is really displeased about it, we find out that Yoda has assigned Ahsoka to Anakin specifically because he says, and let me quote this this is to teach Anakin how to let go. And this is a lesson that he has to learn. So, This is a huge moment. We find out that Yoda is not only deeply aware of Anakin's flaws, Mm -hmm. being an older Padawan, having this connection to his mom, having experienced this trauma and this grief. Yoda's grand plan is to give Anakin a Padawan in the hopes that it will teach him this lesson of how to let go.
1: Yeah, which is... One of the more interesting managerial lessons I've been taught from like a professional, you know, office space standpoint is that you actually want to assist people in their strengths. You don't wanna round people out so much to apply their strengths the best. You want to help out like, you know, address their weaknesses, like their their deficiencies, not their weaknesses, their deficiencies, Mm. but then power up their strengths because you have someone For their strengths.
0: So that's the opposite of what's happening here.
1: No, it's the same. Because imagine you're Yoda. You have a whole crop of younglings that are ready to become Padawans. We see a few of them later on. You see Barris, And so what strengths does Ahsoka bring?
0: Oh, so you're saying... Okay, I, I see what you're saying. That Yoda intentionally matched Ahsoka to Anakin because their strengths are the same. Yes. But what I'm saying is that Yoda's grand plan is to teach Anakin a lesson that he's deficient in. Exactly. Which is letting go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is going to be Anakin's Critical. largest weakness. Yes. Which is interesting.
0: Yes. Which is very interesting. And you can't tell me that Yoda didn't know what was going on there. This was intentional.
2: For sure.
1: But also, there's... a pretty interesting element of, for example, I imagine Yoda's sitting there. I don't know how many Jedi he has under him during this war. Maybe 30, maybe 100, not a lot. And he's got one who's a problem child, who's Anakin, and he sends Anakin at problems. And those problems... Will either explode or resolve, but that's going to cease to be a problem. If he points Anakin at it, it is no longer a problem. Yes. He has to deal with the consequences. He has to clean up after after him. But like he's the uh he's the loose cannon cop you send after things. And so what do you do with your loose cannon Padawan? Do you send them to work for Obi-Wan, who they're going to chafe under? Or do you send them like send two loose cannons together because they're Jedi's and they're superheroes and they're going to bounce off of each other and they're going to actually learn from each other and they're going to protect each other? I mean, what do you do? And I think that's what he did. He sent two loose cannons together.
0: Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because as soon as you see Anakin and Ahsoka fighting through the separatist army together on Christophsis, Mm -hmm. it's evident that they're like a perfect match, but are they too perfect? I think they're like all fire and no water. There's no one yeah. ever to balance them out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a tough thing to deal with. And I think one of the very next scenes really calls to me. In fact, I uh, got a little shook by this scene. They're flying to Teft. They're in a lat, which is one of the gunships with the, uh, the wings They're flying along and the flak is really heavy and so they close the slats Hmm. and it's dark in there except for the red drop light and it becomes like the last scene of a bunch of like troopers dropping into combat or something Mm. and the tone really changes and Anakin's sitting there and he's done this a hundred times before and Ahsoka is like, oh, this is the big time. This is the real life.
0: Do you remember when I told you that I feel really safe when Obi-Wan is on screen and I feel really unsafe when Anakin Mm -hmm. is on screen? I don't think that I feel comfortable with Ahsoka being used as this Padawan pawn to teach Anakin a lesson and her being this youngling being matched with the most reckless Jedi of the entire order. I don't know that I feel okay about that.
1: So, an interesting part of that is in that first scene on Christophsis, she's more reckless than Anakin.
0: Right, exactly. But there's mm-hmm. no one to temper her worst impulses because okay. they're the same as Anakin's.
1: There is because – I mean, it's it's mutually helpful for both of them. When she runs off and has to like deal with the consequences of her actions with Anakin yelling at her, and then she like knows Anakin's reputation, she's like, oh – If I'm being yelled at for being reckless by a guy who's famous for being reckless, I'm really reckless and I should learn from that.
0: Okay, that's a good point. I'll concede that. Okay. And I will say, when Anakin tells her after they resolve the battle on Christophsis, you're reckless, little one, and you never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan but you might make it as mine. Yeah. Oh, I cried. Yeah. Oh, it was so good.
2: I
1: think that's a really important moment for Anakin. Tell me more. Because now he has a Padawan and he recognizes his difference from Obi-Wan. He knows now now it's become that him and Obi-Wan, instead of having like a subordinate relationship, they're like the two buddies that you send to go resolve situations. It has become... Anakin is his own agent, and he has his own agency.
2: Mm.
1: And that separates him from Obi-Wan. Even though they continue working very closely together for the rest of the war, I think because Obi-Wan offers that water. Mm. And Obi-Wan, as he continues to be that Soryasu defender, be the person who is the voice of reason, but is also the person who knows the exact moment to strike, which is the concept of Soryasu, but also refers to his uh, perfidy against General uh, loathsome, he's waiting for the exact moment. Whereas Anakin is now, 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 now. And Ahsoka is now, 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 now. If you mix that correctly, you're actually counterbalancing Obi-Wan.
0: And it's possible that now that Anakin doesn't have his straight man, now that he doesn't have Obi-Wan to temper his impulses, it's possible that he might now have to learn how to become all of it.
1: I think that's Yoda's plan.
0: Hmm. Yoda's a hundred times wiser than me, so it's possible. <laughs> oh, okay, fine.
1: He's got hundreds of years of wisdom. There's also the relationship between Asajj and Dooku.
0: Okay, yeah, let's explore that.
1: So Asajj has a very cool vibe in this whole ep- whole movie. She shows up, she's got her whole aesthetic, she's doing her fighting, and there's the relationship she has with Obi-Wan. However, Asajj is always subordinate and always failing Dooku.
0: There's a lot of fear in their relationship. Uh, One of the battle droids says to Asajj after... Anakin and Ahsoka make it off of Teth. The mm-hmm. battle droid says, So did you want me to call Count Dooku and tell him that the Jedi escaped? And it's evident that this and, is a fear- and she pushes him off a cliff. She pushes him <laughs> off a cliff. And you don't do that in a healthy mentor-mentee relationship because you don't want to fail, but you're also not fearful mm-hmm. of the consequences.
1: Right. I don't know how that would work because, so the relationship as it stands is after Darth Bane, which was a long time before the movies, Hmm. uh, eventually you get to Darth Sidious,
2: Hmm. Emperor Palpatine. Okay.
1: Now, Sidious took on Dooku, Darth Tyrannus, as an apprentice, and Darth Bane instituted the rule of two. Okay. Which is that there is only ever a master and an apprentice
2: of Sith.
0: So Asajj is operating with the knowledge that if all goes well, Dooku will succeed, succeed over Palpatine and then Asajj will be the second in command.
1: Yes. However, because they're the Sith, everything is based on lies. And what you normally do is you learn every single, as as a Sith acolyte, as the junior Sith member, you learn every single thing you can from your Sith master and then you kill them. Wow. And because that's, it's, a, it's based off of pure strength. And so wise Sith masters will hold as much information back from their acolytes as possible while still having their acolytes be useful to them.
2: Wow.
1: So in this case, Dooku's plan is to have Asajj be his dark side force using assassin. And she's not a particularly powerful force user. You see her do some hand wavy stuff. And you see her do a lot of lightsabering. Yeah,
0: she's real fighty with a lightsaber.
1: But she's not Trixie, particularly. You know, she's stealthy, but she's not Trixie. Given that she's probably been working for Dooku as long as Anakin's been working for Obi-Wan, there's a pretty significant power level between Mm. Anakin and Asajj in terms of expertise. And so... She does continually fail, but I think it speaks to a real lack of willing manpower in that relationship. Sure, there's lots of people who would love to have more power, but is it easier to be general loathsome and drive around in a tank and yell at droids? Or is it easier to be Asajj Ventress and have to deal with Sith Lords who are going to lightning you into submission if you mess up?
0: You bring up an interesting point, which is that the two female characters in this movie are both subservient.
2: Ooh, yeah. Even
0: though they're powerful characters, even though they're delightful to watch on screen, they are the acolytes.
1: True. So at the very end of this episode, because we're bridging into the second half of this mm-hmm. movie, I guess, not episode, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What we, the situation as it stands is that Anakin and Ahsoka have rescued Baby Hut. Baby the Jr. The Hutlet. The Hutlet. He's a, he's a Hutlet Cutlet. And oh, my God. Stinky, as they call him, because they don't know, have a good name Asuka for him. Java
0: calls him Stinky.
1: Yeah, and uh, what is... Uh, Jabba calls him, like, Punky or something? Oh, like, oh yeah,
0: something, uh, something just, just, like, completely disgusting. Over-the-top
1: adorable. But um, so they have left Rex and the gang in the courtyard. Meanwhile... Obi-Wan has separated out and is fighting Asajj, and Anakin and Ahsoka and the hutlet reach the outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh no,
1: that's they're, they're fighting As, uh, Asajj there.
0: They are fighting Asajj, mm-hmm. and then they jump off the cliff.
1: Right, onto these dragonflies and fly off to a little crazy spot that the hutlet had pointed out where there's a parked ship.
0: I will say no Star Wars movie is complete without R2 screaming. And not only does R2 scream in this movie, which... Now,
1: how did R2 get there?
0: Oh, that's a great question. With rocket boots.
1: Oh, man, those, those things come in handy. They
0: really do, because he has to dive off the cliff after Anakin and Ahsoka, and Jeez his amazing. little rocket boots saved the day.
1: Exciting. He is <laughs> He is screaming. I have a lot of notes in here of him just being, like, obviously afraid and terrified. It feels like... R2 is really leveling up throughout the Clone Wars as well.
0: R2 is flawless.
1: (laughs) So they they get on this ship, which... uh minor spoilers, is going to be Anakin's ship for like the rest of the Clone Wars, which is Which is cool. so
0: funny because it's a bucket of bolts.
1: Yeah, but that's how Anakin likes it. You know, he made a the fastest pod racer on Tatooine out of things that he stole from his master's junkyard, you know?
0: It's like Obadiah Stane in Iron Man. Mm-hmm. He made this with a box of scraps in a cave. <laughs> in Afghanistan.
1: <laughs> yeah. So... um they get there and they find that the droid, which had been like, ah, yes, welcome to the monastery, was in fact working for the separatists. Bumpin and up. they uh, they decapitate him.
0: They do. Yeah. Very neatly.
1: Yeah. I guess that's probably not lethal for a droid, but it is rude. Pretty rude. Yeah. I don't Bit know. Bit of
0: a damper on your day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Depends on how much of you is left and if you can like pull yourself back together. So that, that leaves us with what's going on next, which is the resolution of this Hut situation.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of excited to get to part two because we get some really serious Anakin character development in the next half of this movie.
1: We also get some very cool lightsaber fights. There's a fair bit of uh, lightsaber on droid violence in the first half of this. And also Anakin versus Asajj and Obi-Wan versus Asajj sort of in the first half. Which is a pretty cool fight back and forth but yeah there's a lot of um jump cuts and a lot going on in this movie in fact it was it was jarring because as we spoke about earlier i i'm a big fan of like i i comfort watch the clone wars mm-hmm. it is my netflix and do something else netflix mm-hmm. and dishes type mm-hmm. of thing yeah, because exactly. i just love hearing their voices in the calm in the background and it's difficult With this one, because there's so much going on.
0: I would not put on this movie as a comfort Mm rewatch. It was even difficult to summarize the plot for this podcast episode. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to keep track of the different threads of the plot going on, which is in direct correlation to episode two, Attack of the Clones, which is so beautifully plotted. Mm -hmm. This was fun, and i couldn't blink or take a sip of water or do anything else but watch the movie or else i would have been lost
1: yeah it was it was difficult that said it fulfills an important part in the early clone wars arc it introduces important major characters and sets the stage the whole um hut arc uh if you if you blink if you if you skip this as part of your watch through of Clone Wars, the Hut arc is going to kind of come out of nowhere. So when you watch this, it really sets the stage for it. It makes it quite a bit more meaningful.
0: Yeah. I think setting the stage is the perfect way to describe at least the first half of this movie. You're Mm -hmm. setting the stage of Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship, which is really spicy. Mm -hmm. You're getting some fleshed out secondary characters who will become really important. Rex, Ahsoka... The More assage Assaj Ventress.
1: And seeing Obi Wan in his Soryasu, which is, yes. uh, that is like, it's all caps in my notes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it is an important piece of the canon.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it that time?
0: It's that time! <laughs> it's time for Baywatch.
1: I'm going to put 20 bucks on the counter right here on who I think your bae is. Slap
0: it down. Who do you think it is? I think
1: you're going to choose Ahsoka. Yeah, you're
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) I owe you $20. (laughs) Who do you think my secondary honorary bae is? Obeywan? No. two. Yeah. (laughs) I owe you $20. Yeah, all right. Okay, in rapid fire, my favorite Ahsoka things, which earn her the title of Bay for this episode. Um, the moment on Christophsis when Anakin and Ahsoka are trying to deactivate the shield generator. And Anakin says, I thought you were the one with the plan. And Ahsoka says, no, I'm the one with the enthusiasm. <laughs> if that's not me, <laughs> if that's not me, that, I would like to see someone try. That
1: is very you. Oh, I like God, it's so
0: great. Um, and also on
1: Christophsis, the Buster Keaton moment when she pulls a wall down on top of him, but has a hole in it that's Anakin-sized already, which is just great.
0: Oh my god, incredible. Yes. Okay, the fact that Ahsoka is incredible with the lightsaber mm-hmm. already, um, the fact that she smack-talks Rex, which I think is so great, the fact that she's able to convince Anakin – in the battle on Teth to stay true to the greater mission, which is to get Stinky back to Tatooine, yeah. when Anakin really just wanted to finish the fight. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka had the presence of mind to say, no, we need to get Stinky back to where he came from. That is our job. I think bespeaks a huge, incredible maturity.
1: Especially because that's a very tough thing as a subordinate to say. It that, is. Like, this is... This is our actual job, but I understand that you want me to do this.
0: So and, not only yeah. does Ahsoka do her darndest to keep up with Anakin, who's mm-hmm. not easy to keep up with, no. but she does it. She is funny. She's capable. She's young. And she has a grasp, a deep grasp on the big picture, Yeah, which is impressive.
1: Yes, and that is, I think, one of the strengths that she brings as a character is despite her naivety, despite her rawness mm-hmm. as a Jedi, she does always look at the big picture and then kind of follows Anakin during the execution and makes sure that he is babysat to make sure that he does his thing. It's a, a closer guiding hand to make sure that the Anakin-shaped hole you want in something doesn't expand into, like, a universe-shaped hole. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Anyway, you once said that when people watch the original trilogy, they're able to say, oh, well, I'm a Luke or I'm a Han and you're a girl, so you have to be Leia. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka opens up the possibility that I don't just have to be the Leia. Yeah. I can be the Ahsoka.
1: And she is a utter badass.
0: She is. And I... Indefinitely. ...have infinite hard eyes she's my bae (laughs) who's your bae but she's not as good as my bae
1: she's not as good as your bae your
0: bae is not as good as my bae (laughs) i've got the ultimate bae who's your secondary bae
1: uh in this one obi-wan
0: okay tell me why
1: he does soryasu for the first time he is aggressive obi-wan he is serious obi-wan he is also starky obi-wan when he Does the surrender false surrender trick?
0: He's pinky up, tea sipping Obi Wan, Mm -hmm. who's a new Obi Wan that I loved.
1: And uh, like during that scene, he calmly like allows himself to be disarmed. He's surrounded by battle droids, and he lifts force lifts some rocks over to make a bench to sit down on. Oh my
0: god, it's so great!
1: And that's a power move.
0: Also, Obi Wan has this little smirk when. Um, Ahsoka is assigned to Anakin, so it sort of feels like he was like meddling. Oh, he this, maybe? he absolutely was. He is oh a
1: huge God. meddler.
0: Oh, it's so delightful.
1: He is really fun in the first half of this one. He runs around a lot, and it's it's still a continuation of his arc of, despite there being a war on, Obi Wan always keeps up with his Jedi business,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: while Anakin is a warrior, Obi Wan is a Jedi. And Obi-Wan goes and he's like, okay, I'm gonna go broker a piece with the Huts. Despite the fact that he probably effectively outranks Anakin, he like commands fleets and stuff. He's like, No, I'm just gonna take my fighter off and go talk to some people. You guys do your own thing. Whereas Anakin would never start with talking, you know.
0: Wow, I wanna highlight that in Sharpie and Red Pen, Anakin is a warrior, Obi-Wan is a Jedi. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. So that's that's cool. It is something which as the war drags on for these characters is dragged into sharper relief, but it's also I think more trying on Obi-Wan. Hmm. And as we see Obi-Wan considerably later during episode 4, he remembers the war with a fondness, hmm. and I think it's because he got to live his best self as being a Jedi and the fact that there was a war in the backdrop meant he got to go to new and interesting places and, you know, get good workouts in. And I think that's Ahsoka's style as well. She got to go to new and interesting places. She got to learn to be an expert warrior. I don't think either of them revel in the fight mm-hmm. and Anakin cannot exist without it.
0: I am hoping to see more Obi-Wan Ahsoka interaction in, in the future because I think Obi-Wan has a lot to teach Ahsoka as well so these are two very good bays
1: <laughs> so join us next week for the second half of this movie which we're really excited about
0: we are oh gosh there's so much to talk about
2: yeah
1: we get to figure out what happens to Little Stinky yay As always, you can find us on social media at GrowingUpSkywalker and GrowingUpSkywalker at gmail.com for your holocrons and at GrowingUpSkywalker for our Instagrams and etc. If you like the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or send it to a friend or a loved one or your Padawan, who you thought was for your friend. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. Send it to your Padawan. If
1: you don't have a Padawan. Find one. Get Order one for your friend.
0: Mail order a Padawan <laughs> immediately. Pada-
1: don't mail order Padawans. <laughs> um, if you want to have your name read on the show, like Allison and Ben, thank you guys so Thanks, much. Allison and Ben. Uh, you can find us on Patreon. We love you guys. And that will help us you know, create new content and be here for you on Tuesdays when you listen mm-hmm. to us. Finally, send us those listener holocrons and join us next week for the second half of the Clone Wars movie.
0: There's so much fun to be had. Can't wait to see ya. Bye-bye now. Bye, y'all.